Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Katie, you've got important things to talk about. Uh, hit me. Okay. So there's been some, well, for a while, for the last couple of years, there's been some news about Max Landis. And Max Landis is the son of John Landis, and he's a screenwriter who was pretty successful for a while in Hollywood. Uh, we covered one of his movies on here. It's one of my favorites, uh, Victor Frankenstein. And for a while, I have to admit, I was a pretty big fan. I enjoyed his YouTube videos where he gave out screenwriting advice. I, uh, I liked his Wrestling Isn't Wrestling video. I thought his energy was interesting. I liked that he was a young person that was so successful in Hollywood. And I honestly really looked up to him. To the point when people would ask me, like, what kind of screenwriters do you like, I would say Max Landis. And I didn't really understand that there was this kind of darkness surrounding him at that time and that he had done all these hor horrible things. I, I had no clue. I So I remember one time when I had mentioned that he was one of my favorite screenwriters and I really offended somebody at a dinner who was telling me what a horrible, horrible person he was. And honestly, at the time, I didn't believe it because I hadn't heard all these news stories and I hadn't known about the horrors that he's put people through. So I just had no concept of it and I kind of buried it down. I thought maybe, you know, he was kind of a douchebag, but that that didn't mean that he committed crimes against women. So I kind of participated, or I feel like I participated in Max Landis being able to perpetuate within the Hollywood system because I didn't believe these women first, and I feel a lot of guilt about it, uh, especially as more and more stories come out about it. For a while, when, um, when Bright was coming out on Netflix, his last movie, there was a backlash by uh, Anna Akana, I believe her name is, and she said, uh, she had a tweet that was something to the effect of, oh, we're going to release a movie by a person who has, uh, like, a, an abuser, essentially. And even even then, I, I didn't know if I believed her. I thought maybe there was just some bad blood from wrestling isn't wrestling. And I just thought people uh, were giving him a hard time because he's kind of annoying. But as time went on, more and more stories, more graphic stories came out. And I had to really look at myself in the mirror and be like, no, this guy who I liked and respected and looked up to and whose videos I used to watch a lot, he's a terrible person and he should absolutely be held accountable. And I, I've been thinking about it more, especially this week, as even more horrible and graphic stories have been coming out of this misdeeds. Because for a while, for a year, he kind of disappeared. We didn't hear a peep from him. And then uh, he kind of snuck back in with a movie that Chloe Grace Mortez was supposed to be in. And uh, it seemed like he wasn't going to be held accountable by the Me Too movement. But it does seem like as of this week, with all of these accusations coming out, that he really is being held a task. And I'm glad for it, and I just want to... I know that I didn't do anything specifically to perpetuate him, but I still feel like I participated it, in it. And I've felt a lot of guilt about that over the past couple days. And I just want to... I, I don't know if any of those women would be listening, but I, I just want them to know that I believe them, and that I'm sorry, and I hope the best for them, and I hope that he's held accountable. Yeah, well said. Uh, there's nothing else to say but that. I mean, uh, we covered Victor Frankenstein on this show, and 
we liked that movie. Uh, but I think it's fair to say, fuck Max, fuck Max Landis. Yeah, I think that's that's the official stance on bad movie brunch is fuck Max Landis. Okay, from now from moving forward, yeah. America's <laughs> sweetheart Max Landis. Um, yeah, add him to the list. No, I think well said. Thank you. Not to make light of any of all that, but we are talking about singing animals. We are. That is the movie that we are talking about today after our opening is about the darkness that is Max Landis and abuse in Hollywood. Right. It's a real yin and yang type episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Let's have some fun now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sunshine. Um, okay. So you told me to watch this movie and, I, and I'm and i going to come out the gate with this. Um, I, 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 we're on, well, this is bad movie brunch. Um, yeah. And this movie is universally loved. Oh um, yeah, I, I I did some digging because I was telling uh, Taylor, my fiance, uh, mm-hmm. that I was watching Sing for the podcast. It was Katie's pick this week, and she was like, "Sing like Illumination," and I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "It has a 71 percent on Rotten Tomatoes," and I was like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I don't know. She picked it. Fuck." And like, um, and then I did a little more digging, and I was like. Oh, it's it's the it it holds the record for being the highest grossing uh, uh, American film to have never won uh, a box office weekend because it came out around mm-hmm. Rogue One and like some other such shit. But it 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 raked in dough. It made like I think it ended up grossing worldwide like over six hundred million. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for an animated movie about singing animals, that's huge bank like with advertising and budget and everything else it said they still made like 200 million dollars just just made it like that's in the bank now yeah and i was obsessed with this movie right before it came out because uh, i don't know what it is but i i just something about it really grabbed me so like anytime a, a new clip would be released i'd watch it and i was really pumped for it it was like one of my most anticipated movies for the year that it came out and um that's not to say that this movie isn't very enjoyable. It absolutely is. It's actually my favorite Illumination movie. But apo- like it, it, what I struggle with is that even though on the surface there's a lot of things that are good about it, if you think too long about this movie, you begin to see cracks. And it really, like, there's, it's a hollow, hollow movie. And I'd love to dive into that with you. Well, so it's from, so these peeps at Illumination kick ass. And, uh, like, the new Grinch movie this year was so awesome. I just rewatched that a few nights ago, and it's, like, you can watch it any time of the year. It's just such a such a delight. It's so funny uh, and finds a way of being, like, innocent, and really no one's the villain in that movie, like, even the Grinch. It's not like mm. the Jim Carrey Grinch where, like, he is hated by all. Like, in this one, they're like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, I'm grumpy. And they're <laughs> like, oh, all right, you crazy bastard, Grinch. <laughs> um, like it's, it's just like this very like sweet world that they've built and I really adore it. Um, and obviously everybody loves despicable me. Uh, I've admittedly, uh, guiltily, I've never seen any despicable me movie. Um, really not a one, I, not even the first not, one, not a one, uh, not uh, out of any sort of spite or anything like that. I think it could be that I have like, I'm just a brand whore and I have like such a deep seated love for like Disney and Disney Pixar and -hmm. stuff that like, even like, even when like Shrek came out from like DreamWorks and stuff like that, like I was just kind of like, I love Shrek and Shrek too so much. Um, but I was like, yeah, but you're not Disney. You're it's like, you're you're (laughs) off brand bro. Um, but these movies aren't off brand and they probably never were, but they certainly aren't 
at all, even considered by me because they are raking in dough like we just talked about with Sing. Um, so you're an animation cat. I am an animation and cat. How like explain to me where Illumination comes from? Were they a subsidiary of DreamWorks or anything like that? Because like I no, feel like no, did they just come out of nowhere? They're no, they're from France actually. Okay. They're uh, it is a dual studio between uh, America and France, and okay. um, they found a way to make these really great looking for the most part animated movies on uh, fairly cheap budgets for uh, film. And so they usually are pretty confident in how they can turn a profit. But I do think that sometimes their movies suffer from that. Like, this movie, I think, really does look great. But if you... Some of these character designs, if you think about it too long, all the animals look the same. Like, there's no distinction between certain sheep or the it, it, the rabbits. They all have, like, the same kind of body type. And it's not like something like Zootopia where they have different body types and facial expressions and, like, the various ways that they dress are different. Everything, every group of animals looks the exact same. Maybe there's a fur color that's a bit of a difference, but everything is so boring, and they all have the same faces and the same body types, and it it, it all blends together to be really, really dull after a while if that's you're really so... paying attention for it. See, and, and that's why... That's why I'm just sorry. That's the way. That's why you're the perfect person to watch something like this with because I I would have never thought that in a million years. I, I guess I don't watch <laughs> enough or think enough to distinguish that sort of thing. But here you are blowing my mind. So, but continue. <laughs> well, no, and I, it, it it took me a couple watches to even realize that because this is one of my feel good movies. I I consider it to be a mac and cheese movie. But I think that even though you like something, you can absolutely point out the things about it that are kind of weak, and. I think that Illumination, honestly, their biggest weak point is their storytelling. I, and, and this one I think is one of their stronger films, but, so let's break it down. This movie is about a koala voiced by Matthew McConaughey named Buster Moon, who <laughs> is obsessed with the theater. But his theater has fallen on hard times and he needs a new production to bring it back together. So for some reason, instead of coming up with a musical or a show or writing something himself, he decides to go with a singing competition. And I'm not sure where he gets that idea. The movie never really has him finding that idea. There's no real reason for it. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with theater. So that's kind of baffling. We're also meant to really root for Buster, but he never he didn't work for this theater that he's so proud of. It was given to him by his father. And he's supposed to, like, his emotional points are him trying to save this theater in part due to his thankfulness to his father, but he didn't work for it. And his father isn't around, so we don't get to have those discussions. And I understand that there's this sense of loss that his father isn't around, so he needs to keep that legacy, but there's not enough done with that other than his dad was this kind of blue-collar guy that saved up. Like, I want to hear about that story. I want to hear about... This dad who believed in his son's wish for theater so badly that he worked his fingers to the bone washing all these cars to give him this thing. And to watch his son struggle and fail and still support him. Like, I think that that could have been a really wonderful major character in this movie. And it's a real loss that he wasn't there. Especially because Illumination has this tendency to, like, they're all parents. And they all, like, um, I know that Secret Life of Pets 2 came from the writer 
Ryder becoming a new dad and how paranoid he felt about his child living in the world, that it was such a loss because you could apply those feelings of parenthood to this movie. And so I think that's a major weak point. I think Buster isn't a very attractive character. He cheats people. He doesn't pay his workers. So it's, it's very difficult to root for him because he what he wants to save was given to him and he's not great to the people that he works for. And he's kind of, he, there's a warmth with him and his secretary, but there's not a real sense of a bond. So after, a couple times after watching this movie, you're just, why do we need to root for this character? He's not really doing anything to make me like feel any good feelings about him. And then the other characters have their journeys too, but we don't get to spend a lot of time with them to really bond with them at all. And like Rosita, for example, Rosita is this mother, and I think that that's where the parenthood aspect comes in, is they want parents to connect with this overworked mom. But she, it's weird, because she feels unappreciated, but there's no consequences with her and her husband with that. There's no conflict. She feels kind of sad, but at the end, everything just kind of comes together. Like, she never voices it, that she needs something more. And even more than singing, it's clear that she's a brilliant engineer. And that should have been the movie, is her figuring out that she's so good at making all of this tech and going back to school or something and finding herself there. I don't understand why she's in the singing competition if she's making all these wonderful Rube Goldberg machines and she's able to be a mom just so easily without being there. There was a complete- there's so many missed opportunities that this movie. It drives me absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it's kind of blowing my mind. Like, I'm such a, I'm such a, a normie film viewer. Cause I'm like, I I'm like I think the koala is my favorite character. Like when I'm like <laughs> like I just got done watching it. I'm, maybe it's uh, due to me being a first timer on Sing, but like now I'm like ah oh, he's a piece of shit. You're so right. He's so mean. <laughs> so like that sucks. And it's like I don't know. Do I like do I like Taron Egerton? Uh, his character. I don't know. Kinda. Um, I I thought I did. I don't know. I don't know what I think anymore. Well. I do think that what it's I like all about, unraveling. <laughs> what I like about the Taryn Ingerton story is that uh, is that it it just seemed like looking back on it, his audition for Rocket Man, which is pretty fun. It's weird. He sings, I'm still standing. Yeah, it's weird to watch it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And I I think I, I mean everybody does a great job as their characters. I'm not saying that everybody. I think the voice acting really works. I think everybody's oh, really sure, well suited. Oh sure, sure. Well, that's why I loved them all. <laughs> yeah. I, I do, too, it's until I start really thinking about it. Like, Taron Egerton's story is that he wants to be this pop star, but his dad, it, it's so cliche how they play it out. Like, even in the trailer, they let you know that the dad is going to come around on it. And he, the dad breaks out of prison to go say, like, I'm proud of you, son, to his son. But it makes no sense because there's no, there's no consequences at all. It's a hardcore he just, prison break. He, like, he smashes just, a wall out. I know, I know, and all the oh god, all the prison guards are rhinos that look the same. Like, ah, and They're he like, just go get him, Mister Ape. Yeah, and they just he just walks back to prison. He's like, well, I'll see ya, and then he just leaves. Do you say his name, Taron Egerton or Egerton? I thought it was Egerton, but I'm not sure. All right, I'm, I'm not great with, at pronouncing. From now things. on, I'm going with you. Okay. So, whether or not it's true, it's Taron Egerton on this podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> so Taryn Egerton plays Elton John 
and it's weird because like again I've never seen this movie but uh, and I also haven't got to watch Rocket Man in full mm-hmm. but working at a movie theater as you know I do if you've ever listened to a single episode of this podcast because I say it quite a bit um, you get you, you get very used to the ends of movies and then the like credit songs and stuff and so I heard I'm still standing by Taron Egerton that's how you say it um, uh. I mean, like, four times a day for, like, five days a week uh, while we had Rocket Man, And uh, it's beautiful, and it's lovely, and he's a great singer. Uh, but I didn't even know he was in Sing. Uh, so I'm, like, until it was, like, it was brought to my attention right around when Rocket Man came out. And I was, like, wait, are you kidding me? And they're, like, yeah. And, and he sings that song in Sing. And I was, like, he sings the song in Sing that he sings in Rocket Man? <laughs> and they're, like, yeah. There's he's layers. He's singing Elton John, like, in, like, 2016. And I was, like but it's 2019. <laughs> it was really fucking my head up. So again, I'm such a normie film film viewer. Um, but and it sounds almost identical, which is so crazy. So like, it seems like they literally could have just like taken his, like they could have just taken the MP3 file of him <laughs> singing it uh, and sing and put it into Rocket. It's so crazy. Like, and then I got to thinking, I was like, did they, was Rocket Man already being developed because of Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, or was Rocket Man put into development when they realized how good Taron Egerton was at singing Elton John in Sing? I think that it was all kind of a happy coincidence. Like, they were working on the movie, I mean, like... Very happy. Yeah, around the same time that uh, Taron Egerton was like, I want to sing I'm and, Still Standing as a gorilla. And Elton John was in Kingsman too, right? What? Uh, was in what? Oh, Kingsman Elton 2. John yes, 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 Kingsman he was. 2. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, this is a loopy fucking, like, are they, like, just fucking with our heads? I don't know, man. The cinematic universe really runs deep on that front. Oh, my God. Everything it's, is connected. It's me out. Yeah, well, we posted about it on Bad Movie Brunch the other day, but did you see that, like, so the director that did Rocketman is the one that finished up uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and he said he wanted to have... Uh, Rami Malek's Freddie Mercury cameo in Rocket Man. I did hear about that. That would have been sweet. How insane! <laughs> I would have been like, like he should have just had him come in at the end, like Nick Fury, and recruit him into the Avengers <laughs> or something. And I'd have been like, I all right, that. bring yeah, anything, anything to see Rami don those uh, prosthetic teeth again. So good. Fuck. And then so Scarlett Johansson is a porcupine. Okay. That I thought was Rashida Jones for like thirty minutes. Oh, you did. Um. I don't know why I thought that. Okay, so here's the thing about this storyline. There's repeatedly, they mention that she's a teenager, but there's no sign of her parents, and she lives with her boyfriend. So is she, like, 19? <laughs> what's what's going on here? Like, like it, it just so often they really harp on the teenage aspect of her character, but it just doesn't... It, it just seems like she's either, like, a runaway who lives with her stupid boyfriend, or they just d- didn't think to give her parents that are worried... I, I just, man, I don't understand. And she just, oh, God, the the thing with the douchebag boyfriend and uh, she's like, I'm going to write my own song. It, that part seems just like they really wanted an original Oscar nomination because the rest of this is a jukebox musical. They couldn't be bothered to write any other songs, but they had to write one so that they could get that nomination. Because I think that with animated movies, they know that they can't make it to the other categories of the Academy, but they usually have a pretty good shot at original song, best original song. So that's what that felt like to me. It's just like a really lazy play for that nomination. Okay. Okay. I got you. Because like I was sitting there thinking like, 
this is totally a jukebox musical. And while you were explaining why this movie is actually shit, and I'm saying, well, Katie, are you fucking kidding me? As I push up my glasses that I don't wear, I'm like, it's it's fucking beloved. It's beloved. And it made all this money. And then I was like, oh, but people do like jukebox musicals. Like, so maybe that's the deal. Like, this is a movie that parents over, De- over that December 16 is a holiday time movie where parents could take their kids and their kids would love it because it's, you know, pretty and uh, funny and the parents would love it. Wait, I hope I said kids. I meant kids. Mm. Parents would love it, though, uh, because they know those songs and they're all catchy ass good songs. At the end of the day, like at least like you got that. So I, is that is that why is that why people like it so much? Is that why it's so goddamn successful? I holding the title of holding the title that was previously owned by my big fat Greek wedding <laughs> for winning or for making the most out of box office, but not winning. I did a lot of Wikipedia today. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I still like it. I I really enjoy it. I just it's very feel good. It's unchallenging. No. It's no, fun. we hate it now. Everybody, th- there's songs for the, from different generations that people can reach out and like. And the I, I I had it recently pointed out to me that each of these characters is like a different demographic. So you get the teenage boy demographic uh, with the gorilla. You get the teenage girl demographic with the porcupine. You get the mom demographic with uh, the pig. You get um, a kind of uh, shire demographic with the elephant and um, kind of like more old school jazzy type with the mouse. So with these yeah, different you categories, get the, uh, you, it, get you can relate to more people and more audiences. That's a good point. It really represents everybody. Mm. The most inclusive illumination film yet. <laughs> and also, it, it is the charming. Be- it's incredibly charming. And that's why I'm curious is what's the proximity between this and Zootopia, like release wise? Oh, dude, this had the very, I'm pretty sure these were released in the same year, which is incredibly unfortunate for this film because Zootopia is really creative in how the, the different animals live in their world. And it really makes you think like, okay, if this was a real thing, how would these different animals interact in like a city setting? So like you have tubes for like hamsters to come to work in and there's uh, places of the tundra where uh people you know animals that live in the tundra can go live and animals that live in the jungle have their own neighborhood there's a lot of thought put in the world there's no thought put into this world here at all it's just like a city maybe san francisco who knows but it it oh god that it's it's just very unfortunate that this had to come out around the same time because you're thinking those things like this is just kind of a lazy universe which i absolutely would not care about had i not seen zootopia in such like so shortly before well but that's another thing i'm wondering is like is it unfortunate or is it incredibly fortunate that they came out on the heels of zootopia because people were still buzzing we're still buzzing off of uh that that like all animal movie and then is seeing capitalizing and that's why it makes all the money because like mm. that's a lot of money you know yeah. and i don't know what the i don't know what how much zootopia made um i'm gonna quickly find out but uh, maybe, you know, kids aren't, maybe like little kids aren't even worried about differentiating. They're like, oh, that's like Zootopia. So they want to see it. Mm. Um, cause like, point. again, I'm, I'm really like, cause uh, the more I think about it, I'm trying to wonder like, how did it make all that dough? Because you're right. This movie is like kind of basic. And, and like, I, like I said, it's really, it's really falling apart, uh, right in front of my, own. It's, it's like that. Have you seen the video of the raccoon who tries to wash his cotton candy? You're washing my cotton candy. <laughs> but I, I do think the basicness is one of the strengths because sometimes you don't want to think about these things. It's stuff that, like, you and I would think about 
because uh, we're writers and we our brains hurt thinking about like, oh, this character element doesn't make a lot of sense or this storyline is dropped. But for like a general audience, they just want to have a good time and see, you know, themselves represented by singing animals and like, it's Christmas and we all need to go see a movie together, I guess. So let's go see this because we there's something do for everybody to enjoy. Just because it's hollow doesn't mean that you can't have fun with it. And that's why I think it makes a great mac and cheese movie. But like, okay, really quick. Let me just point out one more storyline that just makes me... Oh, please do. So the mouse storyline. The uh, Seth MacFarlane mouse, who's this... Uh, the, the Rat Pack ma- uh, mouse named Mike. So Mike... His whole thing is that he believes that he is a shoo-in, so he starts spending all this money, and mostly to impress this pretty mouse girl, and um, he ends up cheating at poker, and he gets in trouble, and he almost gets eaten at the end, and then the the last bit of his storyline is him seemingly running away from these gangster Russian bears, but one of them's on his tail. Now, uh, no pun intended. Now, um, what bothers me about this is that his mouse girlfriend gets two lines in this movie and only when they're like running away there's no reason for him to be for them to like really be attracted to each other there's no we don't know anything about her she doesn't even have a name and i it it just seems so like oh yeah just throw him a pretty girl and that's it and in i mean even in 2016 that seems pretty bad that they weren't even gonna at least attempt to give her some shred of her personality and i get that this movie is stuffed but, like, did we really need her? Couldn't he have just been kind of, you know, this Rat Pack kind of guy without also needing a love interest? Not dissimilar to How to Talk to Girls at Parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> we agree the main character is Matthew McConaughey's koala. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that within the movie that that's who it is. But who should have been the main character if you could change it? Because as, we, as you've, like, pointed out, he's not really charming. He's really just, uh, in terms of the fucking... Uh, like script and the story he's really there just to like bring the interesting characters together and put them in the same place he's kind of just like he is the glue of this movie of the, of your mac and cheese movie which I don't want to skip over that's a brilliant term um, uh, but if I could change it I think I would go with, with like maybe actually I'd rather hear what you have to say because you're just so I, I suck at this movie and you just understand it <laughs> Well, I, I don't know, but I feel like the movie wanted Mina to be the main character. It seems like, because she's this, she has the most understandable character arc. She's this person who has a lot of talent, but she's not great at expressing it. So her character journey is her finally getting the confidence to sing in front of a group of people. And she has that tri- triumphant movie uh, moment at the end where she belts it out. And I think that she, like, she's an underdog. Like Like, it makes sense to me that she would be the main character if this was like a traditionally or not traditionally but if it wasn't an ensemble if we had to focus on one i do think mina makes the most sense because like kids can relate to her everybody can relate to feeling kind of inadequate and then that overcoming something and feeling really proud of yourself and like having that kind of catharsis but um yeah i don't know aside from like aside from like maybe like the mama pig. Yeah. Um, I love the mama pig. I love Rosita. She's my favorite actually. She's fantastic and adorable. Um, her kids are so cute. They're so pink. Um, <laughs> but all 25 of them, but, uh, 
Yeah, I think that you, you're on to something because uh, aside from Mama Pig, the uh, every other character isn't really that reluctant about singing, like uh, about their ability to sing, I would say, or like they're not fearful of doing it. Like they have other things going on, but they're not like afraid to do it. They want to do it. Whereas she is incredibly talented at it, but is kind of in a in a weird uh, sort of, you know, shyness that you're right. Like everybody could totally relate to. And uh, it might be interesting to see that arc most of all. And it ends up getting buried under a lot of other storylines uh, that, as, again, you're unraveling for me, are, like, marginally more interesting, mm-hmm. if, if that. Who would you pick as the main character? I think, uh, I think in a movie called Sing, um, yours makes the most sense. But I don't want to piggyback your answer, so I'll say, um, I'll say the the family of of thieving gorillas, um, because that's similar in that it's kind of uh, a trope that is just tropey enough for people to get behind. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I I don't want to live in my dad's shadow and do what he wants me to do. I want to do my thing and be an artist and yada yada. So I mean, it's Billy Elliot, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's that sort of thing. So, um, I guess that is a logical pick for me, but I don't know. I also think that in watching people's reaction to this movie, usually, uh, Johnny, the gorilla, he's a lot of people's favorite character, which I think is really interesting. And I do think that is because a lot of people relate to that storyline of, um, wanting to, wanting their parents to be proud of them for who they are. So I do think he's a great pick for the uh, lead character for this movie as well. So I've done a little more digging and Jesus Christ, I did not remember what a triumph Zootopia was. Um, oh yeah. So Zootopia is March, 2016 Sing is December, 2016. So that's a fair amount of space. Um, mm-hmm. but I think they still may have been writing off it, but this is insane. Uh, Zootopia made over a billion worldwide. Yep. Uh, which is like the only movies that do that are like superhero movies. <laughs> so that's incredible. And well, superhero movies in like Avatar and like Titanic, but so James Cameron mm-hmm. and superhero movies and Zootopia. It's kind of like blowing my mind. It was it was number one for oh my lord. It was number one for like four weeks until it got knocked out by Batman v Superman. <laughs> uh, so it all comes uh, back as around. As God intended. Yeah, yeah, it all comes back around. <laughs> you mm-hmm. got you got you got a diamond absolute to the face, Zootopia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but holy shit, it was uh, thirteen consecutive weeks in the top ten, more than any f- other film except for Avatar and Frozen over the last decade. Like, Jesus Christ. So I'm over here being like, Katie, do you even understand? Sing made $600 million. And meanwhile, Zootopia, which is, like, tackling, like, fucking police brutality and, like, other Mm. issues, like, huge world issues, Sing and its fart jokes still scrape together $600 So glass half empty, glass half full, I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to see because, again, Zootopia really is this kind of creative triumph in many aspects in its world building, its character design, and uh, for the most part, the story. The things that they tackle, I think, are great. I do think that the twist villain at the end was a little 
little a, a bit of an odd choice but other little than that eh. it's an incredibly strong film and then you have this one who which j- pretty much is banking on animal characters different characters uh representing different demographics which is a smart way to go about things admittedly and uh songs that people know and i think it's i think it's something to admire about both films utopia and sing Mm -hmm. uh that neither of them while sing does uh kind of lean into uh like ip by using well beloved like well-known and beloved songs um Mm -hmm. neither of them are are based on anything those are original ideas um so that's that's something you don't see a lot. Uh, movies that are grossing, uh, outgrossing a lot of other films are usually based on something in th- at this uh, time and place. I feel, I mean, I, I know. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So g- good for them. Like, it's, it's pretty damn impressive. And um, now all I'm thinking about is other animated films w- with animals. And Katie, how have we never talked about Hoodwinked? We won't right now but <laughs> hoodwinked made 110 million total dude let's put it on the list i barely <laughs> remember that one so it, it would be good to give it a rewatch we've had tons of chats about it short chats and we're getting to sing too do you know about this i know dude yes because i would have given my left arm to write it because at the end of the day as much as i complain and nitpick and moan and groan about this movie i do it from a place of genuine love because i I do like these characters and I do think that they're a lot of fun and I enjoy this movie so much and I will absolutely see the sequel and probably moan and groan about that as well. But from a place of love, like I know I'm going to enjoy it. Is there, is there a trailer for Sing 2? Is it the same characters? Uh, not yet. I don't think it's going to be released until 2020 and I hope it's the same characters because I, if they try to tackle new storylines, that's kind of a waste because they already have all these great ones that really didn't get resolved in the first movie. And the other pigeonhole is like, what's the story going to be? Uh, is there like another singing competition? God, um, who knows? I mean, Maybe it's like, like a worldwide worked... thing. They'll make it international. Okay, like every, Everything kind of worked out for everybody. Yeah. Like he got the theater bought, uh, like, by, like he got the money. Uh, every, everybody overcame their, fears like you know what i mean it was a pretty pretty cut and dry and i just don't know what there is to do with sing too but i'm in, i'm intrigued to find out yeah me too i wonder if they'll start like a group or something and go from there oh now we're talking i would oh, love that now we're talking just like a bad it... news bears kind of singing group that travels oh. from land to oh land. my god <laughs> sing too in breaking training <laughs> i love it <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, also, before like I know that we're uh we've gotten through a lot of the points, but there's one other thing I really want there's one thing I really like. And it comes from a place of um it's not a logical place. It is purely emotional, but I love Eddie. The the sheep character. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley as the sheep. So I don't know what it is about this character. But he is this kind of loser who lives with his parents who are really rich. And he there's a scene of him swimming in the pool that's completely unnecessary. And <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm glad that Buster has a friend. But he also has a kind of fatalism that isn't really earned from being such a rich, cared-after person. 
Like, it doesn't make right. sense that he's so down on Buster's dreams if he himself has always had things handed to him. Like, I feel like a character like that would be a bit more optimistic. But I do like the, um, the or, you know, like, naive. I do like the uh, the differences between them and how they get along. And I, I like his Buddhist beads that he has for no reason. And his, like, <laughs> bright yellow suit jacket that he wears with, like, red shorts. And he just becomes, like, he... Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He just decides to start supporting Buster after telling him that it's a horrible idea. And he becomes, like, the stage manager. And he does, like, the lights and things. And I'm glad that he has something to do. I hope in the next movie he's actually able to, like, step up. And instead of being, like, this rich kind of, uh, like, um, what's the term? Um, when, when, uh, trust fund kids. I hope he's able to overcome just being a trust fund kid and actually, like, find out that he's good at being a stage manager. And he's, and he can actually have things to contribute. Cause I, I, I can't explain why. I just really like that character, man. It's just, it's just a I, lot of fun. I think, I think he's incredibly likable. I think you're being, I think you're being a little, you're a little too tough on him because I read him as more of like, you know, Buster's friend who isn't necessarily shitting on his dreams. He's just trying to be like realistic to make sure his friend doesn't like overextend and like screw himself over. Like I read it as like, hey, maybe just like get money for the theater since you don't have any mm-hmm. and like, you know, we'll do something like I th- if it seemed like it seemed like him throwing him a life raft. And when his friend is stubborn, he accepts his friend for being the way he is and lets him figure it out on, on his own. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And also that trust fund kids trust fund saves the day. It absolutely does. Well, his, uh, not necessarily his trust fund, but sure, his, uh, sure. his connection to his very rich grandma saves the day. Which, um, Would it have been better if he if his trust fund saved the day? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you could have just given me that money the whole time. Yeah, yeah, dude, I know, but it's it's, because in the well when they're having dinner at the fancy French restaurant, it's clear that he that the money really is Eddie's parents because um which is obvious but like it maybe he doesn't get the trust fund until he reaches a certain point because he is still living at sure. home. And also, sure. it, they mentioned that Buster has gone to Eddie's father before for money. And uh, when he mm. found out that he was having lunch with Buster, he was like, don't give that koala any more of my money. So clearly, this has been a problem before where they he Is has it... gone to Eddie's family for money. It's just this time he What's bypassed going? his parents and went straight to Nana. Buster Moon is a prick. That's he really is. He's a horrible, horrible koala. He's a bad man. Although I will say... His, uh, his like, sleeping quarters that was, like, that pimped-out drawer in his desk, it mm-hmm. looked very comfortable. It did. It really did. It was fun. It looked cozy as hell. So, so it, yeah. It made a lot of money, just not as much as Zootopia. <laughs> um, and that leads me to wonder, and, and on a day where I wasn't even thinking about talking about Zootopia, mm-hmm. it's, it's all I can think about, which, which okay. is kind of weird. Well, it's just kind of weird because now I'm like, is, Zoot- is Zootopia made a billion dollars? Is it making a second, like a sequel as well? I think they're I they know. are making a sequel. I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're making a Zootopia sequel. How, how out of the loop? Which that makes everything. more sense to me because there's always crime, so you can have now that um, Judy and Nick are partners, they they go do crimes together in a more official capacity than before. But with yeah. this, again, you're right. Like, what are, what are they going to do? They're just going to travel as a singing group? Are they going to find a rival singing group? Are they going to bring in new recruits? What happened with the theater? 
Oh, are they going to actually put on a production? Because, like, the whole point is that Buster wanted to be a theater man, and he does no theatering during this movie about how much he loves the theater. And the theater is not even his anymore. No. Right? right. His father's theater is, is bailed out, but it's not. he doesn't own it anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, he really just takes a shit in this movie. Yeah. He's so happy about it, too. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's because he got to have one, like, one, like triumphant ride like in in the theater because like that show is a is a banger like it is it is a banger that show is 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 crushing i mean you could see it all the way across town all the way from the prison um (laughs) the everybody's jamming in person and watching at home um everybody's crushing the lights the the music the action the 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 animals that all look exactly alike Mm-hmm. Are, all, are all just like really really having a great time so maybe that was all worth it right like one filed ride, like one 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 wild ride that went the distance and it's time to walk off in the sunset it you know it, it, that kind of reminds me of um uh school of rock when he's like one great rock show could change the world it's true it's mm-hmm. true uh or sex uh, pistols never won anything yeah fuck yeah um <laughs> Or like, uh, or like Point Break, when uh, yeah. Keanu Reeves is like finally gonna like take in uh, Patrick Swayze, and then he's like, Nah, man, I can't, I can't live in a cage. And he's like, Let me get one more wave, and it's like this crazy like tsunami waves out there, and he's like, Biocon Dios, <laughs> and he like fucking Patrick Swayze swims out in the ocean, never to be seen again. Oh, we man. should do Point Break on this show too. That's I an would awesome be so movie. down. Yeah, have I you would seen be it? Down. Uh, not for like a really long time. I barely remember it. I want to make that my text ringer. Like when I get a text message, I want it to be Keanu Reeves saying "Vio con Dios." <laughs> Keanu Reeves is having a moment right now. Um, Keanu Reeves is the anti Max Landis. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he's the most he's the most beloved man in human history right now in the free world. <laughs> I hope he has that on his business cards. Keanu Reeves, yeah. the anti-Max Landis. Yeah, he really is, though. He's like, I. this is like sur- surpassing Jason Momoa levels of hype. Mm. Wouldn't you say? Oh, well, I have always loved Keanu. Well, Granted- sure. I feel like he's been liked, but this sort of like gassing up of Keanu Reeves is like, it, it feels unprecedented. He-, he is going on a real love tour lately. And, you know, I... Is it cool if we switch gears a little bit and talk about other things that we've been watching? It's really cool. Okay. Because I recently watched uh, Always Be My Maybe. The, uh, yes, the... so did I. Oh, you did? Oh, fantastic. And uh, <laughs> as you know, Keanu is in that, and he plays a, uh, a douchey version of himself. It's so funny. It's, it's pretty good. It's hilarious. Like, it was like, it had me in tears, like... Anybody that doesn't want to watch a rom-com or doesn't, like, you know, however you feel about Netflix original films, you should at least watch for the Keanu segment, uh, like, chunks of the film. It is so fucking funny and really timely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, they really snagged him at the the time when we were having the the Keanu Reeves love fest over here. The Keanu-sance. And also, like, John... So, I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is like how is his like love now spiking when he's been relevant and in like huge franchises for like over 20 years 30 years like i I just think it's because when he does it's the interviews and now you know um he's re he's 
coming out with Bill and Ted 3. So now we're remembering how good the first two were. And he just, he's been John Wicking and being a badass. So he has all these, like, different things. Like, Keanu Reeves, um, he's now, uh, I mean, he always was a veritable action star, but with John Wick, he has, like, a greater cachet because he's been doing these crazy stunts. And he, uh, goes on these talk shows, and you also get to see his sweeter side because when people ask him questions like, what do you think happens when he, when we die? He pauses for a moment and, like, really thinks about it and then comes up with an answer like, well, I know the people that we love will miss us. And then it's just like, oh my God. fuck, dude, how could you answer that question? Like, you're not supposed to be able to answer it. You came up with the nice best person. one. <laughs> so I think it's He's just a... a mix of, like, we're remembering uh, John Wick, that whole series really gave him a boost in the public eye. And from that, we're getting Bill and Ted, which is kind of banking on his legacy. And now he's appearing in various things, and he's shown to be a good sport. Like, he also made a cameo in Keanu, the cat movie about a kitten that's named after that him. funny as hell. It's really good. And um, so I think it's just because he's both shown that he's a capable badass, he's humble, and he's not afraid to make fun of himself. And I think that right. makes for a very attractive celebrity. Well, and speaking of money, like, you've got John Wick could have easily been a one-off and that made so much dough that they made a trippier second and then that mm. made so much dough that they made a third and that made so much dough that in like in the day after that came out they greenlit fourth like so it's like who knows how long this will go on my my guess is five mm. like and but like not even like so he could just be doing that but he's not he's doing everything he just did that rom-com with uh uh oh from reality oh, uh, winona Ryder. Thank you. That's funny. That oh no, I said is it her or is it? Bites. Oh yeah, I think it's Winona Ryder. <laughs> no, it is. It is Winona Ryder. I just okay. that was a stupid fucking poll for me to be like to to be like. Oh, you know the girl from Reality Bites. I could have used a million <laughs> things. Stranger Things is relevant. Fucking, I could have said anything. But yeah, Mr. Deeds even. But regardless, yes, I, that movie looked very sweet, and I heard that was adorable. So like you know, like he just got his hand in every cookie jar, and 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 we're all benefiting. Yeah, I'm glad. Good for Keanu. I'm I'm glad he's having his moment. But um, really quick, I just want to go back to Always Be My Maybe. Oh, yes, please I, do. Sorry. I do think it's interesting that now we're going through a period where we're having unironic rom-coms. I mean, we're having a bit of the ironic with something like um, Isn't It Romantic that's kind of making fun of the rom-com sure. genre. But if, if you notice, there are rom-coms right now it, with minority leads, and those are unironic. And I think that's because that kind of movie was unavailable to minority leads uh, previously. And now that sure. we're able to do that, now the rom-com is coming back because now we're embracing diversity. And it's kind of fun to see because I, I didn't know that I really did miss rom-coms. Like, full yeah. Hollywood, silly, totally, like, fun, and just turn off your brain mac and cheese. I missed it. And I really liked Always Be My Maybe. And what I, you know, I thought it was fine... Up until the very end, and this is my favorite part in all of these movies, the kind of confessional, like, this is how I actually feel about you, uh, that uh, when Harry met Sally moment. And in this movie, the run that Randall Park delivers to Ali Wong had me in tears. I really oh God, liked it. Katie. I you know. Sweetheart. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I don't know. if I, the, the movie's fun. It's fine. But there's, there's something about the way that it was delivered and the words that they used that I felt really touched by. And well, they I, both rock. Oh, yeah. It's 
it's they're both great leads for sure. I'd never seen uh, any of Ali Wong's stuff, so that was actually my introduction to her. Strange. Oh no way! Like, no, other than knowing about her, I just know she's got a lot of stand-up specials. Uh, so she was really delightful. You should watch her stand-up. I should, yeah, and that's what I've heard, and and now like I'm 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 definitely inclined to, so it works both ways for her. So rock on. Uh, and then Randall mm-hmm. Park has just like been kicking ass for a really long time and like just showing up in a lot of random places that like no matter what's happening his lines will make you laugh he's got this he's got delivery out the ass it's so crazy uh like how funny and how good that dude is uh and like he was also like had a year where he was in aquaman and ant-man and the wasp like in like kind of important roles uh so Mm -hmm. like just and obviously fresh off the boat's good obviously the interview wasn't good but he was good in it um, he has a tiny like spot in neighbors, like all anything he's in, he's so funny. So like uh, they both rock. And I was reading something the other day, and it's this article I've seen circulating around uh, the internet for a little bit. And uh, it's like the rom com isn't dead; it just went to de- to Netflix because uh, always be my maybe um, comes on uh, on the heels of like how success insanely successful Set It Up was on Netflix as well. Um, which was I loved set it up and also someone great, which is another fun rom com. But that's more of like a personal rom com, like a finding yourself kind of movie. But I would I would consider that a rom com. Always my maybe and set it up are like straight up like Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler of their time. Oh yeah, rom-com. for sure. Um, like uh, and it, mm-hmm. and uh, Crazy Rich Asians was pretty rom com and that was big and that wasn't. I mean, it has a life on streaming, but it made a shitload of money in theaters. Uh, that's one. And then Love, Simon did really well in theaters too, but like that wasn't necessarily a rom-com as much as it was like, it was both, but regardless, those were like theater runs. Whereas like movies like set it up and always be my maybe, uh, are also like giving way to like even more, uh, like they're making another, uh, Glenn Powell and, uh, Zoe Deutsch movie where they're, it's another rom-com where they're different characters because people enjoyed that so much. Yeah. They have good chemistry. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice to see that people are still craving this genre. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for the rom com. I'm ready for it to come back. I like the rom com. Yeah. Hell yeah, I would love to do it. I've I, I've written some rom com. I know. I know you have. Look out for break, everyone. Um. No, but uh, I would love to write something nice and sweet. Um. Yeah. For Netflix, so maybe Katie, let's write something for Netflix. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, when I when I talk about you as a writer. I, I talk about how uh, you're the person that I go to when I need help with romance because you're the, oh. my friend who knows romance. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. I mean, I, well, Katie, you're gonna like, uh, <laughs> you're gonna make me blush. But um, yeah, I uh, I, that's people should comment on our Facebook or reply to this or something. If you want me and Katie to write a rom, a rom-com for Netflix, we absolutely and will. Yeah. We have no say in what Netflix does, but we can, mm-hmm. we can send them a script every single day until they block our email. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else is that? Is that everything you're watching? What else are you checking out? Um, I just finished pose, which was really good. That wrapped up really well. And and I, uh, I watched a little bit of Agretzko Season 2, which nice. is about a, uh, a red panda. It's an animated show with also animal characters, incidentally. And it, the main character is a 25-year-old office girl, so I really relate to it, and who, has d- who deals with office stress. And I find the show very cathartic. 
because she manages to sort out her frustrations through singing death metal. And I think that it's a interestingly, it's a very cute show, but it's also very mature in the things that it tackles, like um, parental pressure and uh, trying to deal with navigate the navigate your coworkers and figuring out what you really want in life and seeing that other people want different things and respecting that. And that you don't necessarily need to force yourself to be in a relationship. It's fine being single. So I, th I, th I love the show a lot, and I'm very I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more. What about you, man? Oh boy, um, I haven't. I have actually been reading uh, comics um, ah. because so I was going down this like rabbit hole since like Christmas, where like I kind of have a Green Arrow obsession, as you may or may know not you know. Do. <laughs> and. Um, I uh, was like, you know, there are so many big arcs of this character that I, I need to actually read because um, I just really loved Arrow and, like, cartoons and stuff, so I hadn't read, like, tons of, like, Green Arrow comics, aside from, like, Rebirth, which is what also kind of got me into the character, um, and Rebirth mm. was great. But, like, so I got um, Hard Traveling Heroes with, like, him and Green Lantern, uh, obviously iconic, obviously tackling issues that comics just don't tackle. Um, really intense from like the 60s and then like I also uh, got Kevin Smith's run Quiver and then I got Green Arrow year one uh, I'm also uh, now I'm going through Green uh, Green Arrow Longbow Hunters which is like another classic Arrow run but after watching Dark Phoenix and enjoying it so much uh, and being the only person in the entire fucking world that did um, <laughs> I uh, was like I've never read the Dark Phoenix saga uh, the OG so I went mm. and got that on Amazon and uh, I'm making my way through and it's awesome it's nothing like the movie but it's super awesome it's just like uh, it's like the uncanny X-Men from like uh, uh, issue it's like it's like a 16 issue arc um, within oh, the, cool. the main run and it's it's really great so far like the 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 book starts out uh, with them like splitting up so like we'll go to New York and you guys go to Chicago and so they go they go to like Deerfield to recruit Kitty Pride because they see her on like Cerebro and I'm like the first three books like take place with like the X-Men like in Chicago and the suburbs and stuff and like O'Hare and stuff it's really cool to like see that like on old ass panels from so many decades ago and being like oh mm -hmm. we you've lived here Katie I do live here um, <laughs> and the X-Men are here too because usually Marvel is like New York uh, and, it, and it goes trust me it goes back there but it was just something I didn't expect to see, uh, and really, really sweet. It made me like feel like I could I could see myself in old timey comics, and it was just like cool to see like a city or a place you actually live like portrayed uh, like on panels. It's not uh, Star City, it's not Gotham City, it's not uh, Metropolis. It's like oh, that's Chicago, and I walked down those streets. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome, dude! I'm, yeah. I'm glad you've been enjoying it. It's delightful. Yeah, I've been like, I've been making my way through, but it is really like hokey. I will say, and like, mm -hmm. it's wonderful, and it's what comics should be, especially at that time. Uh, it's classic, mm -hmm. and we don't get anywhere uh, without these kind of foundation. But I will say that, like, anybody who's shitting on the film, um, I'm just like, okay, how recently have you read the book? Because, like, yeah. how recently have you read these issues? Because, like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Of like Jean just being like oh and like just making out with dudes and be like right in front of like her boyfriend Colossus and uh, not Colossus fuck uh, uh, Cyclops and he's like what is Jean doing and it's just like it's just like okay like that's weird like it's not like super uh, good like you know what I mean it's just like they mm -hmm. they just and it's and it's one thing if it happens once because it's like oh she's like she's having a darker version of herself like she's she's slipping into like a more impulsive like I guess like id version of uh, Jean Grey and that's like frightening but 
there's a way to like use that once, but it's not. It's like recurring. Like uh like they go uh they go like far away to like Mexico and I can't remember who the uh who the uh uh the X-Men is that they go see there. Um former X-Men. And then she's like, "Oh, it's like, "Oh, good to see you." And like they she just like kisses him on the lips for like 10 seconds straight and Cyclops is like, "Oh, like <laughs> then, then like then like they go up on a it mountain. It was a different time. Yeah, and then they go up on a mountain. Her and Cyclops, and she's like, "Look, let's just have sex." And he's like, "All right." Mm. And it's just like, "Okay, I I understand." Um, so I don't know, like anybody who's like revering, that's my other thing. They are wonderful, and I absolutely love them, and they're great, and it's classic. Um, but anybody who's like, sh- sh- like touting a reverence for these like, uh, like issues that supposedly hate the movie for messing it up, it's like. I think the movie is doing just as good of a job being like compelling with the story. Um, but I guess I'll let you know once I finish it. Awesome. Yeah, dude, totally keep me posted. Yeah. I don't mean to be so defensive. Like I know the movie's not amazing, but like, come on guys, it's a good movie. <laughs> um, but other than that, not a ton. Swamp thing's really good. Uh, excited to never see it again after the season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like anxiously awaiting uh, Disney plus. I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what that app's like. I'm such a Disney yeah. stan. I'll, I'll see how you take it before I subscribe. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll I'm going to get your pre-order. opinion. <laughs> you know, I'm going to yeah. pre-subscribe. Um, pre-subscribe. Katie. Luke. What's your final words on Sing? Final words on Sing. Sing is enjoyable. I still watch it. You can like something even though it's flawed. There's a lot of story elements that I wish were flushed out more, but because it went with the ensemble, you're just going to suffer at every point. Uh, But again, that doesn't mean that you can't turn it on, have a good time, and you should. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I like it a lot. It's a mac and cheese movie. I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Gertzinger. Have a good one, folks. (laughs)